and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community. On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute. And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship, knowledge, and practical wisdom for his glory here on A Court of Three Strands podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome back to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture. This is episode two of season eight, and in this season we are discussing feasting. And today we plan to discuss the baby and the bathwater. What happened to feasting? Ron, tell us what the baby and the bathwater represent. Yes. Let's start there. Yeah. So um, it, if you're not a longtime listener to A Court of Three Strands, you will know that Allison and I are both come from a Reformed Christian tradition. And in the Reformed world, I would say that anything that seems like it might be works-related or Catholic, mm-hmm. um, there's a great deal of suspicion. Yeah, We're in a tradition, as you've, if you've listened to our Ten Commandments episode, that doesn't believe in the um, creating images, mm-hmm. you know, and it seems that a lot of the feasts of the church celebrating of not just Christmas and Easter, but of different days, you know, um, there's a great deal of suspicion because at the time of the Reformation, there's a lot of baggage associated with feasts. Mm-hmm. And the reformers basically changed all that. And in our tradition, the Reformed tradition, it went so far as to really remove a lot of the feasting. Mm-hmm. And um, and today's episode is our appeal that um, we we shouldn't have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Let, let's get rid of the d- dirty water, but keep the clean baby, mm-hmm. which would be feasting. Mm-hmm. So I thought it would be good is, is, is to start up is to talk about a little bit of the history of feasting and what what was going on and why it was such a great thing and and then what went wrong and because once you can kind of see what went wrong it okay and why it went wrong then makes sense and then maybe there's hope that we can restore some of this yeah so in episode one we talked about this appeal like we let's bring back a virtuous calendar that revolves around that the liturgical year as we would know it and and this idea of of feasts mm-hmm. so yeah that's the that's the idea mm-hmm. the baby and the bathwater. yeah so let's start with the baby okay so the early church they came from primarily were jewish christians the jewish christians were used to feasts mm-hmm. right there there were three feasts that were there were commanded that the the heads of the household, the men would have to go to Jerusalem to celebrate, um, and, you know, Passover, um, 
Tabernacles and um, Pentecost. They 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 were required to go there. And then there were other uh, feasts. I think there's seven of them all together. Um, most of them associated with those three feasts also. Um, but those three were the big ones that they had to come. All of those feasts um, were celebrating acts of God in their history, acts of redemption, acts of giving the law, for instance. And if they were to remember, to commemorate those events by remembering them and, and in a sense, participating in the feast, they were participating in the event. Mm. Now, what the Christian church understood is, is that all those feasts were pointing to and preparing the God's people for the coming of the Messiah, for Jesus. Yeah. They all pointed to him. And in Jesus's life and death and resurrection and ascension, he fulfilled all of them and the, and the pouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. He fulfilled all of them. So the, the shadows and types of those feasts were accomplished in Christ. And so most of the feasting of the feasts of the, that God ordered the Jews to eat, of Israel to eat were fulfilled in Jesus and were continued through the ordinary means of grace in the service every Sunday on the Lord's Day, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the Lord's Supper. Uh-huh. Okay. So they're they're they've been fulfilled and something they've been replaced by something greater because it had been fulfilled and the real has come. Yep. And now we're not dealing with just types and shadows. We're eating and drinking. Yep. With the Lord. And communing with him mm-hmm. in a true union. Mm-hmm. So the, the the idea of feasting was nothing that the early church, they, they knew a lot about feasting. We see that a lot of evangelism happened in the early church amongst Jewish people revolving around things like feasts. So there was, there was some Jewish Christians who participated in some of the Jewish feasts and others who didn't in the New Testament time. And then you have Gentiles coming in, and Gentiles do nothing of these Jewish feasts, and they weren't required, you know? And so there's, you know, there's no judgment. As long as you're eating and drinking to the Lord, you're doing it with the Lord, it's fine. And don't, don't worry. If, if, if they're keeping these Sabbaths, that's fine. So long as it's, you know, to, to the Lord Christ. If you're not keeping those Sabbaths, you're fine too. For the same reason, you know, we're all one in Christ and don't, don't, don't worry about that. As the church progressed, they, they would commemorate various days and, and when they commemorate those days, they would, well, what did we do when we commemorated days in the, mm-hmm. in the old? Well, we, we ate and drank before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so they, they began to do that, um, to celebrate the fact that, you know, Christ was born, that mm-hmm. he you know, went to the cross on Good Friday and rose from the dead. And so every time Passover came around because there would be the celebration or the the memorial of the of Good Friday and the celebration of his resurrection that that Sunday. And it was a it was a big deal. Um you also then had the when he Jesus rose uh, or ascended into heaven, that was the ascension. And so they began to Mark off Ascension, and then Pentecost when he poured out the Holy Spirit. So they had these basic feasts revolving around, we call them the evangelical feasts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Christmas, uh, Good Friday, Easter, 
Ascension and Pentecost. In our day, Ascension has dropped off, it seems. Mm -hmm. um, the other days are all on Sunday except for Good Friday. So it's easy to remember those other ones. Mm -hmm. You know, and Good Friday's a, a big deal. In our day and age, it's 2023. It'll be 2024 when you hear this. Um, but um, I think all of our government offices still close on Good Friday at noon. Mm -hmm. Right? It's still... It's still part of the tradition of our secular government to shut down on Good Friday at noon because, you know, to commemorate the, the death of Jesus. Yep. Um, yeah. How's that for a secular world? It's actually shocking that still happens. It'll at some point. Yeah, it won't last for very yeah, long, probably. Yeah. Well, luckily they've unionized and unions aren't going to give an inch, you know, true. for the glory of Jesus, right? <laughs> um. So anyway, so there there began um, then shortly after, um, even during the um, the times of the church fathers, meaning um, before Nicaea, before Constantine, the first Roman emperor who was a Christian, came to rule, that there began, began times to commemorate the lives of saints, uh, you know, people who have mm -hmm. been um, the, the apostles. Uh, the martyrdom of Stephen, for instance, and things like that. Yep. Um, and and some of those things were marked off by, uh, you know, just a, we're going to remember this in our prayers or we're going to remember this in our service today. Um, some of it was a full-blown, like, party. Yeah, <laughs> event. Event, yes. Yeah. Um, and so on. So what happened then is... is uh, you you had um, you had this progression as when Constantine becomes Roman emperor and is a Christian and he he has the Edict of Milan which meant Christianity was no longer going to be persecuted. Mm -hmm. The the church had a more freedom than to be more open about these kinds of celebrations and and do things. And as the Roman Empire became more and more Christianized, you might say, um, more and more of these celebrations became available okay now it wasn't until the middle ages after the fall of the west and um that the the ordering structures of people's lives was no longer because of what was happening in rome it was um or Const or constantinople even um you had various kings and kingdoms popping up and and doing things. What what kept people's lives ordered was the calendar that the church provided. Mm -hmm. So this this became the the ordering structures of people's ordinary people's lives in Europe was really based upon what the church was doing. You know, the government the governments were coming and going, kings and kingdoms were rising and falling. But the church remained. Mm -hmm. And so that became kind of the big ordering. So in um, as the Middle Ages continued and you had the practice of um, serfdom, right? So you have, you'd have you have a king. That king would have nobles. They'd give them land. And um, the idea was is that I'm going to give you land and... Um, if I call on you to provide 
uh, knights or soldiers for a fight, you're obligated to do that um, in order to keep your 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 lands and your castles and you know what, mm-hmm. what have you. And then the people that lived there were tenants of that noble, and they would work the farms. They were the, the serfs. Mm-hmm. Life as a serf wasn't great. You know they they t- typically didn't eat much meat. Um, they would eat vegetables. They'd eat bread. Um, often the king or the, the, the nobility would have parties, you know, they'd eat their meat and stuff on bread. They, they distribute the bread that the, has all the gravy onto the, the serfs they could eat it. They thought that was kind of cool. Um, but, but what happened is the church, the church began to obligate the nobility of the lands to hold feasts for the people. So when, you know, Pentecost comes, mm-hmm. um, there's going to be a big feast. And it meant a few things. One, it meant a day off for the serfs. Mm-hmm. For all the laborers, they'd have the day off. Number two, the nobility would provide a feast for them. So there'd be feasting, the dancing. They'd have, so they'd, they'd be able to contemplate. They'd have the leisure. Um, because they're not working, they'd have the leisure to actually think about mm-hmm. the feast. There was always some sort of service of worship and then followed by feasting and dancing and what have you. Mm-hmm. Now, the people who were in the nobility, they they did, they weren't limited to the calendar. They could, if they wanted to have a party on Friday night, they could do it. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I'm just using Friday night because that's what we think of Friday night. But, um, they could do those things. But for the serfs, they're obligated to their lords and they're they just work mm-hmm. um but when it was a feast day now they can they get time to rest they can contemplate they can they join the worship service they they get good food including meat so it was a really it was a huge benefit for the majority of the population like a huge portion of the population were serfs mm-hmm. and so this feasting was just a, a tremendous blessing to the to the working people. Yeah. A delight. It was a delight. Yeah. And, and they look forward. And so, um, so, so from Constantine into the feudalism, right. Feudal, feudal times up until the reformation, there was, there was just some, some really good stuff going on. The problem became as there were different economic forces happening, um, mercantilism, things like that, where people could make money apart from land, mm. um, you know, trading, you know, discovering of new worlds or, you know, what have you. It became more and more difficult to enforce the feasts. Mm-hmm. And the nobility weren't often happy about having to have their serfs off and provide more. Mm-hmm. Um, it also became because anytime there's a feast, more people would come to church, drop money in the offering baskets. And since the Lords were responsible for providing the food, it was, it was a total benefit to the church. And so what you started seeing was more and more feasts were becoming added. And mandatory. And mandatory, obligated. And then um, you also had, well, what's the motivation, especially if you're a merchant and not a, a nobleman. Um, so then there became um, 
obligations followed by um, threats, right? Um, the, the invention of purgatory, for instance, um, that, that happens sometime after 1054. Mm. So after a thousand years of, of Christianity, there was no purgatory. And then purgatory all of a sudden shows up. Um, you might ask, why do I know this? Well, because 1054 is when the East and the West split. Um, and the, the, the East has never believed in a purgatory, mm. but the West does. And when did that happen? Well, it was sometime after they split. Mm -hmm. um, so purgatory became a great way of motivating people to give money to the church. So the church began to obligate more and more people to feasts or else mm -hmm. they're going to get trouble. Right. And it mm -hmm. became a, it became a way in which the church be, got more and more money with promises of time off of purgatory you know, and mm -hmm. uh, um, um, to do this. Um, so it became, it was very corrupt. Mm -hmm. Like by the time the Reformation happened, I it wasn't just the reformers. There were lots of people within the Catholic church who remained in the Catholic church who were fighting against a lot of the corruption that was happening. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was feasts. It was, you know, selling of indulgences uh, associated with some of those feasts or, um, you know, uh, relics and, you, you name it, all sorts of ways in which the church was trying to get more and more people to give them money mm -hmm. in exchange for salvation. Mm -hmm. That's, it's just evil. Mm -hmm. So when the reformers came, they, they, uh, Martin Luther in particular coming in, um, he was the, I don't think God raised up Martin Luther, someone who would be yeah. bold enough, brash enough to, to do it, to, mm -hmm. to make that stand. Um, Luther's reforms were interesting because his, his thing is if anything was going against the word of God, it needed to be abandoned, right? Mm -hmm. So were reformed so that it was not going against scripture. Yep. So, um, so for Luther, um, some things were tossed and some things were kept and changed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, some reformers thought, well, that Luther didn't go far enough, right? So the the reformed, I'm thinking of John Calvin and John Knox and those types of folks. It was like, unless it's expressly commanded in the scripture, we just, should just get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So so Luther saying, if it goes against God's word, get rid of it. The reformers saying, unless it's commanded by scripture, we're going to get rid of it, mm -hmm. or unless there's some from scripture, a justifiable reason that we should be doing this, we're not going to do it. Um, and so what you have is the Lutherans still follow a church calendar. Mm -hmm. They still have feasts. They're, they're, there's no obligation. You know, they're not adding burdens. The only thing we're obligated to is worshiping on the Lord's day. Yep. That's the only thing we're really obligated to. The other things are, are just pure grace and benefit from God. Mm -hmm. to be able to, to, to do. And the reformed way, they kind of tossed everything out except for the Lord's day. Mm -hmm. Now, some of those feasts that we talked about, Christmas, you know, the birth of Jesus, um, the uh, resurrection of Jesus on Easter, Pentecost, those things fall on Sunday. And so often you'll see in reformed churches, we'll celebrate those things. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a hesitancy to do anything else. 
we might do an ecumenical service for for a good Friday. Um, but that's on Friday and we're not going to obligate people to, you don't have to be there. If you don't show up on good Friday, we're not going to, there's no church discipline and they're not going to, they're not going to serve the Lord's supper on it. Cause it's not, we're not obligated to be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like our church, Jacob's well, will have a Christmas Eve service. Is there anything that obligates us to have a Christmas Eve service? No. In the evening. Yeah. Right. But we'll add that. And, yes. uh, yeah, but no one, no one's, forced to go you're not expected to go the pastors aren't going you better show up (laughs) it's 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 giving us an opportunity to remember and to worship and and we're not going to serve the lord's supper right in this extraordinary event yeah and 2023 is sort of a unique year because christmas eve is on a sunday yeah so we're doing our sunday morning worship time as normal as normal and then a christmas eve service in the evening that's optional yeah and i will just say this is okay this is going to sound funny it's because what i'm going to say here isn't controversial at all it it ought not to be controversial Mm -hmm. i think the whole history of the church of jesus christ would back me but churches canceling their worship service for something else like a christmas eve service or another thing is is just wrong Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll just say it. It's just wrong. That's that's not out of convenience, out of whatever. That's just wrong. It's not it, what you're doing. If your church is doing it, they're just, they're making this up. Like mm-hmm. they're just. Yeah, doing what's convenient. What's them. convenient. And that's, it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. I, there, I said it. You can be mad at me all you want. It, and I don't care because you're wrong. And I'm, not, <laughs> and that's not because I'm just wrong saying this right I, i'm saying that the the whole history of the christian church would would pro, would back me up on mm-hmm. so don't do that mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah find a service on christmas eve morning that you can worship yeah jacob's well you could come to jacob's well come to jacob's well well you there you when they're hearing this allison it's already passed you're right yes but if that ever comes up again next time next time okay so what our proposal is is Let's expand what we already do, mm-hmm. right? If we can do a Christmas Eve service, why can't we do an Ascension service, which is on a Thursday? Mm-hmm. Why can't we do a Good Friday service? Why can't we do an Epiphany service? Why can't we do, right? It's not a full worship service with the Lord's Supper, but it's a way of commemorating that it's a feast day and and to have, um, or or even to look at, uh, different events. I, I think I've brought this up in previous episodes, but um, I found out, you know, that, you know, you look at uh, the nativity of John the Baptist. So, so he's six months older than Jesus, mm-hmm. right? So we know that from scripture. So on June 25th, they celebrate the nativity of John the Baptist. It's, it's uh, nine months or I mean, six months before. And um, the, the, uh, traditional practice of the feast day of the nativity of John the Baptist. So think of it, June 25th, it's the beginning of summer. Yeah. Is, um, is people have bonfires to remember that the precursor to the light of the world has come. Mm-hmm. Like you just totally make that up. Like it's, it's like, you know what? June 25th would be a great day for a bonfire and have a bunch of people over it and to celebrate. Let's, well, what should the occasion be? Let's celebrate the nativity of John the Baptist. Okay. And mm-hmm. then talk about John the Baptist and 
you know, read some of his scripture, contemplate it and celebrate it and have a dance around the fire, you know, just, it, it just, it's just fun. That's, that's what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so if I, if I bring up and I say, if I go to a given pastor, you know, with evangelical free or formed or something, I said, Hey, I, th- I think we should celebrate the nativity of John the Baptist on June the 25th. I have bonfires. I'll do that. They'd look at me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like what, what that's like, that's Catholic or I don't know what they would do. It, th- that just sounds crazy. But if I were to say, Hey, you know, the Packers have a Monday night game. What if we invite a bunch of people over and watch the game together and eat? No one would, mm-hmm. everyone would think that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea, right? We can get to know each other and the fellowship and we can make it an outreach event, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> or, or to be more Christian about it, I could say, hey, you know, the whatever anniversary of the death of Jim Elliott, the missionary that went to the mm-hmm. South America and, and was martyred. You know, his, his, uh, let's commemorate his martyrdom and we'll bring some people over. We'll have potluck and watch the end of the spear and, and have a discussion. Everyone would go, wow, that's a great idea. Yeah. Okay. You understand? It's like, why would celebrating the nativity of John the Baptist be weird, but those other two things perfectly fine? Mm -hmm. Well, part of it is just the, is just the ageism, right? This, it, it's, well, th- that was so long ago. The only reason you do that is if you're Catholic, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. It, what makes sense to me is we ought to order our time in a way that's virtuous, mm-hmm. as we talked about in the first episode. Um, so let's bring the baby back. We can leave the bathwater. These things are not obligated whatsoever. Uh, many of these things could just be be celebrated by it, uh, private families, individuals, like yep. just get groups of friends together and, and, and do it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you have the complete freedom to do that. No one is stopping us from having feasts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now you might have a trouble getting the, the, your, your individual church to put their stamp of approval or making an official church event, but you don't have to. Right. Right. You just do it on they're, your own. They're being faithful to what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Right. They're faithful having worship on the Lord's day every day, you know, and it's, we can throw in a Christmas Eve service and a <laughs> good Friday, service. <laughs> a good Friday service. That's fine. We'll just do it. I actually, I went to our session and said, Hey, the Palatine Institute would like to have an Ascension day service and you guys don't have to do anything. We'll work on, we'll, we'll take care of it all. Would, would you be okay with that? And the session's like, yeah, that's, that's you know, that's good. All right, we're doing it right. Mm-hmm. So, I I haven't gone and said, hey, we'd like to do something on the ascension or the uh, the nativity of John the Baptist. I think they they look at me kind of weird, but <laughs> but I think that's something we could do in private or yeah. or the Palatine Institute go, hey, it's June twenty fifth, come and have bonfires and invite your friends over and talk about John the Baptist. And, mm-hmm. um, it 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 would be good. Um, so this is this is. This is, the, these are the warnings, right? So bringing some of the feasting back to celebrate and commemorate the events of Jesus's life, the death, resurrection, ascension, and the pouring out of the spirit, um, along with 
other events in the history of the church, I'm not proposing that we somehow make these mandatory or obligate people or heap more burdens on them. That's not at all. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is that it's an opportunity for us to start looking at our calendar as a way to, to orient our lives around these events, around these things, rather than a football schedule or a school schedule or a, mm-hmm. right? The, the, these become like more of our, what we look at in our life. Um, the calendar becomes a virtuous calendar rather than a useful or pleasurable calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that this would be a, a great thing for the church. Right now, our, our culture around us is crumbling. People are looking for meaning. They're looking for something. And if they're looking at it in terms of their usefulness or in their the pleasure of a sports season, it's all going to disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's pointing us to Christ and his kingdom, um, it, that never disappoints. Yep. Yeah. So bring, bring the baby back. Is that too much to ask, Allison? No. I, I will say this, though, when we're talking about heaping burdens on people, yeah. you know, um, the truth is we all have our calendars ordered around things, you know, like the school calendar. Like I yeah. think about our own family, my family, the school calendar, sports, kids sports, yeah. you know. And so adding something generally means we have to take something out, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. you get to a point where you just it's full. And so that can feel burdensome, but sometimes I think that sentiment is okay. Like, because really what it's doing is it's asking you to evaluate how is our life ordered? What is the the ordering principle that's driving everything we do? And sometimes that needs to be rearranged, you know? Yeah. And that that burden is maybe sometimes appropriate. Yeah. You know? And one of the episodes we will have this this season is, is to remind us that every feast has a time of preparation, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so the, the next episode we do is going to talk about Advent and Christmas, right? So yep. Advent is preparation for Christmas. Lent is a preparation for Easter. Um, so, so part of, part of if, if we're going to add uh, things into our calendar, that we want to commemorate, do we want to celebrate to have a feast? Um, one of the things we would have to do is say, how do I prepare for that? Yeah. And, and that just, then that makes it easy. Um, and then once you, once you kind of figure out like, this is what we're doing this year. And I have embedded in my calendar, not only the feast day, but also the whatever day of preparation or however the preparation is going to go, it makes it that much easier. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it doesn't have to be, um, just because it's a feast doesn't necessarily mean it has to always be the best of everything. Right. You know, and that, you know, what, if you're going to have a bonfire out on the June 25th, why not order pizza? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't have to be, but that's a, that's a way to do it. Um, just providing food, make it a potluck, just. Right. Make one thing and everyone else brings stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so that's how we do our 4th of July thing. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, now I'm going to sound like a hypocrite. 4th of July. Now we, we, my wife and I started doing that. We have this big field behind our back and we started, um, is a way one to get to know neighbors. We, 
our lives are so mixed between there's our church friends and our yeah different circles of friends, and then there's our neighborhood friends, and then there's the homeschool friends, and the, there's the and the thought is well, let's do something and just bring them all together. So mm-hmm. we started doing this Fourth of July thing where you just show up the Fourth of July at four o'clock, and uh, and it's a potluck. Just bring meat, and we had I I bring a bunch of uh, um borrow people's um, grills. And so people bring their own meat to grill and then the, and a dish to pass. And uh, we have games set up in the thing. And I think we typically get about 130 to 150 people. It's fun. It's 4th of July. And then, um, and then before the city started building things over on Broadway, we used to all just walk over to watch the fireworks at the Fox River. Now our view is obstructed, so we don't, so this last year we didn't have the yeah. fourth thing. It was kind of too bad. It was kind of too bad, but we'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Maybe you have to do it on July 25th instead. Yeah. Right. Or June 25th. June 25th. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love just having fires in the backyard. That's why just this, this idea is like, oh, that's kind of. That sounds fun. It does sound fun. All right. Um, so, yeah. So we don't, we want it to be good. We want it to be a virtuous experience not not one of of um of burden and and again there's no obligation that says thus saith the lord you must celebrate this or do this yes um it's a it's just an opportunity um to orient yourselves and things around things that are good and promoting virtue Mm -hmm. um for the glory of christ yeah and and if more and more and more and more and more and more people were interested in that i mean think if you know think if it's on june 25th the the city would be all the hotels would be filled with people coming in to celebrate the nativity of john the baptist instead of a packer game yeah you you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it just it would be that would be kind of funny actually yeah pretty (laughs) awesome it would be pretty awesome all right I think we're going to end there and then um, we'll talk again. The next few episodes, we're going to talk about actual seasons and and what those mean and how that they, they came about. So we'll talk to you later. 